remain standing as we go to the text from which my assignment comes for this weekend. Esther, the book of Esther, chapter number 4, verse number 13. The Bible says, And Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Today in our series, Blessed to be a Blessing, I want to speak to you from the story of Esther on the subject, signs that you are supposed to be a blessing. Signs you're supposed to be a blessing. So many times in our lives, stuff happens, right? One thing after another thing after another thing. And we kind of miss that God is trying to tell us something. How many saw the movie Bruce Almighty? Anybody see that movie? And he asked God for a sign and all those signs, literal street signs and road signs and so on and so forth. And he doesn't get it. Sometimes God piles up signs in our lives and God is trying to speak to us. And so these are signs that God wants us to be a blessing. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to our hearts here? Would you speak to our hearts at all of our locations, those that are watching online and on television in a powerful and profound way? In Jesus' name, and everybody said, you may be seated. As we come to the book of Esther, there are a few details about the book that are noteworthy. First of all, the human author is unknown. Nobody knows who wrote the book of Esther. It is supposed that Mordecai, the uncle of Esther, who raised her as his own when she was orphaned as a little girl when her mother and father died, is the author. But we don't know if that's the case. Now, if he is the author of it, then this is a really cool story because then Mordecai is, in essence, telling his testimony. He's showing, he's he's writing about, he's reminiscing about all of the miraculous things that God did for him, for his niece, for the Jewish people, how God came through. And I like that because if God has done something good for you, how many of you know you ought to tell other people about it, right? God didn't just do it for you, just for you. God did did it for you so you can encourage some other people with it. I say it all the time, but God wants to get glory from our story. Our story is not meant just for us. Matter of fact, if you read the scripture, it says that we are an open book, uh, read of all men. God wants us to be confident and open about the things that he's doing in our life. And matter of fact, the scripture tells us in Revelation 12, 11, that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. A testimony is a test that God has brought you over. And when God has brought you over testings and trials in life, how many of you know God wants us to give him praise for it? Can you say amen? And so we don't really know who the human author is, but if it's Mordecai, it's pretty cool. But then Esther is the only book in the Bible God's name is not mentioned in. The only book. I mean, it's inferred a lot, but it's never specifically said so. The book doesn't mention that the Jews who are in exile in Persia at the time are the people of God. It doesn't say that. It doesn't mention that Mordecai, Mordecai and Esther sought God. It mentions that they prayed and fasted, but never saying 
to God. It doesn't say that, that God did this once or that once. Unlike the other stories of the Bible where very open, God is mentioned time and time again. David says, the Lord that delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into my hands. Unlike the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where they look before the wicked king Nebuchadnezzar and they say, be it known to you this king, the God, the God that we serve, he is able, God is mentioned. Unlike the stories of the Bible, Esther is the only book that doesn't specifically name God. But here's the thing, even though the human author is unknown and God is unnamed, God's fingerprints are all over the book of Esther. In the story, he is the unseen mastermind manipulating the moving parts. He is the champion chess player that is carefully guiding the circumstances. He is the force behind the scenes that is fighting for his kids. He is the one who is in secret guiding the steps of his servant with his sovereign hand. He is the hidden help for the helpless in the story. And as we will unpack the story, you'll see God's fingerprints are all over the story. And I think that's good news because sometimes we can't see God. We think God has abandoned us. We think God has left us. We think God is disinterested. We think God doesn't care. But the truth of the matter is God's fingerprints are usually all over circumstances in our life. He might be absent, but I can assure you that he's involved. He might seem distant, but I can assure you that he is near. He might seem forgetful, but I can assure you, you are on his mind. He might see hand, seem hands off, but I promise you, if you dust off whatever it is you're going to, God's fingerprints are all over it. And so what I want you to see as we delve into this story is that these fingerprints are really signs to Esther that she is blessed to be a blessing. Signs that we are blessed to be a blessing. Sign number one, you experience a sudden breakthrough. Esther is a young lady who overcame a lot in life. The odds were stacked against her. As I said before, as a little girl, her mother and father, they died. And she was raised by her uncle as his own child. But then all of the Jews were taken off into Persia. They were exiled there. They were, they were commanded to be slaved and slaves. And she lived in Persia as a Jewish slave without a mother and father. To say that she was disadvantaged would be an understatement. The odds of her making it were against her. The privileges that people have who normally rise to prominence were not afforded to her. It seemed like she wouldn't amount to much. But one day, through a series of sovereign circumstances, Esther became queen of Persia, the whole entire Persian empire. One day, when she wasn't expecting it, when she hadn't planned on it, when she didn't go to school for it, when she didn't politic to get it, Esther suddenly got a breakthrough. She was handpicked to be the queen of Persia. I want to speak to those of you who feel like life is against you. Like good breaks never come your way. Like you don't have what other people have. Maybe you look at other people in life and you think, well, the reason why they have that is because they had this and I didn't have that. Or the reason why they're doing this is because they got this advantage or this privilege. I want you to not see life that way. I want you to see all of the things that you're going through as God setting you up for a testimony. As God setting you up for a sudden breakthrough. See every setback as God about to do something supernatural in your life. See as God setting you up 
for a breakthrough, something that happens that you didn't even expect was going to happen. Matter of fact, let me take a minute. Y'all ought to wake up a little bit tonight. You get an extra hour of sleep, by the way. Let me prophesy a few things over you. I want to prophesy breakthrough over your life. I want to prophesy that your ladder will be greater than your former. I want to prophesy to you that all the promises of God are coming into your life. They're going to be experienced in your life. I want to prophesy to you that the blessings of God are going to come on you and overtake you. That nothing's going to be able to stop you. That you are indeed the head and not the tail. Blessed only and never beneath. You need to realize, don't look at yourself as a victim of circumstances. Everything that happens to you, say, God, you're setting me up. God, you want to have sudden breakthrough in my life. And if you experience a sudden breakthrough, maybe some of you, you're not disadvantaged, but you got a sudden breakthrough, a sudden streak of favor, a sudden growth in your business, a sudden deliverance from a habit or an addiction or a healing or a promotion or a windfall of some sorts. Whenever you get sudden breakthrough in life, it is a sign that God is setting you up to be a blessing. I remember one time somebody in the church, they literally won the lottery. They literally won the lottery. And they had been coming to church for years and years and years. And so I was thinking, this is going to be a good week in the offering. Amen? Right? And you know, I never saw them again after they won the lottery. It's amazing how people don't understand that when we have sudden breakthrough in life, that it is a setup. It is a sign that God wants us to be a blessing. Second sign that God wants us to be a blessing is anomalies start appearing out of nowhere in your life. What's an anomaly? It is something that deviates from the standard or the normal or the expected. It's when stuff starts to happen that makes you say, hmm. Remember Arsenio Hall? Anybody remember Arsenio Hall? Some of y'all too young for that. Here we go. Stuff that makes you say, hmm. Right? An anomaly is, is, is things that happen out of the ordinary. It's like it makes you stop and you think, hmm, God, what are you up to? Well, the king at the time, King Ahasuerus, he wanted to show off his wealth and his power. And so he called for a party throughout the kingdom. Everyone was invited. It was going to be real good times. And But he also wanted to show off how pretty his wife was. And so he sent word to Queen, Va- Queen Vashti. He said, fix yourself up. Come out looking real fine. And he said, in essence, what he says, go get your hair done, get a mani-pedi, put on some acrylics, you know, get your eye, eyebrows thickened. Nowadays, they thicken their eyebrows. Back in my day, the women would thin their eyebrows. Now they're supposed to be heavy eyebrows. I like the thin ones better myself anyway. But anyway, so go thicken your eyebrows, stop at Sephora, pick you up some makeup, put on some pumps, you know, get you looking real nice. And you can read about all of that in Esther chapter number one. Vashti, she courageously and rightfully says, no way. I'm not coming to your party just so I can be your arm candy. I'm more than what I look like. I don't exist for you to objectify. There is more to me than sex appeal. I've got some substance. I tell my wife this all the time. That was a joke, by the way. Like, you're all like not awake tonight, you know? You're all like this, this is just zoning out right here. So, so fast eyes, like, I'm not coming to be a party ornament on your arm. And the king says, okay, fine. But if you don't do what I say, then I'm taking away your crown. And then he consults all of his advisors and he says, well, what do you all think about this? And they say, you need to do more than take away her crown. 
If she doesn't do what you say, you need to banish her for the kingdom. Code talk for if you don't take care of your woman, our women are going to give us a lot of trouble. And we don't want the women running the palace. This is literally what was happening back in those days. And this is why you have to love Jesus so much. Because in a culture that treated women less than, Jesus always elevated women. And so the king says, cool. And he banishes Vasti. But then he says, well, I've got to get another woman. And so the good old boys, they all get together, you know, they're all figuring out how we're going to get the king another woman. And so they issue this, this nationwide beauty contest. They said, let's bring in all the most beautiful women. They go searching throughout the kingdom and they narrow it down to seven of which Esther is one. Six Persian girls and an Esther, a Jewish exile, and they don't know she's Jewish. Hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of ladies in all the land, and Esther, without even enrolling, because enrollment wasn't optional, she gets down to the final seven. How many of you know that when God has something for you, you don't have to go searching for it. It'll come finding you, amen? And so she's in the final seven. And so all the girls, you know, they get a week of spa treatment. They get their mani-pedis, and they get their makeup, and their shopping sprees at Saks, the whole nine. All except Esther. Esther only does what they made her do. She was comfortable in who she was. I want to speak to the ladies because the culture is really obsessive about this. The culture pushes and objectifies and pushes women. You got to be like this and you got to look like this and you got to act like this and so on and so forth. I want you to know natural beauty comes from God. And Esther, she had this powerful, she was just so complete in who she was. She said, I don't need all that. She said, you know what? I'm happy with the way that God has made me. Now, don't misunderstanding. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. It's okay to put on some makeup. And us men, we prefer that, especially, you know, as, anyway. <laughs> Esther decides she's going with the natural look, right? She's got that natural beauty from the Lord. And so they parade all the seven finalists in front of the king. And the king picks Esther hands down without hesitation. Anomaly number one, she is picked against all the odds. This has to blow your mind like it does mine. How does an orphaned Jewish exile without makeup on win a beauty contest? If that doesn't make you say, hmm, I don't know what does. Why does this happen? Because God is setting Esther up to be a blessing. Listen to me. If you've been picked and you know you shouldn't have been picked. If you've been blessed and you don't know how or why. If the odds were stacked against you and you stood out anyway. If something good happens to you out of nowhere, it is not just a sign that God loves you and that his favor is on you. It is a sign that God is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, I want to be a blessing through you. Anomaly number two. God moved the person in front of Esther out of the way. Vashti was the queen. How many of you know you never have to worry about who's in front of you? Matter of fact, all you should be is happy about the people who are in front of you. You shouldn't be jealous of them. You shouldn't be envious of them. You shouldn't sweat it. You shouldn't fret it. Because here's what I know, that God knows how to move the people who are standing in the way of your destiny out of the way. If you are David who have seven brothers, a giant and a reigning king in your way, and God's destined you for the throne, they're all moving. If you're a Joseph who has 12 brothers in front of you, 
you and God has destined you for the palace, they are all moving. If you are an Esther and you are in a kingdom and you are in exile and there's a whole kingdom of women in front of you and God has destined you for the throne, God's moving them out of the way. How many of you are grateful that God knows how to move the people out of the way that are standing in your way? You never have to fret it. But when that happens, that's a sign. Anomaly number three. She is part of undeniable providence. What is providence? Well, it comes from the, it's a compound word, pro, which means before, and video, which means to see. Providence, pro video, if you will. And it means to see before. And to go even a little deeper than that, it means to see a problem before it arises and to put a solution in place. Let me tell you what God saw in advance. God saw a man named Haman. Haman was the king's prime minister and he was, he hated the Jewish people. Haman was full of pride, but he was the king's right hand man. Second only to the king in power. He was so full of pride and he was on such a power trip that he would ride through the streets and he would command everybody to bow down before him. And if they didn't, they would be marked. Well, Mordecai wouldn't bow before anybody, only God Jehovah. And so he would not bow before Haman. And so Haman hated Mordecai and he wanted to kill Mordecai. So Haman goes to the king. He gets the king drunk and he tricks him into an edict, signing an edict so that he can execute all of the Jewish people, including Mordecai, including Esther, all of them. And his execution method is gallows. He wants to hang them all. There's only one wrench in the plan. God saw the problem before Haman thought of it, and he decided to put a solution in place before the problem existed. See, we think that God comes up with fixes when we find out about our problems. We think a problem arises, and we go to God, and we're like, okay, God, you got to fix this thing. And God's like, I've already seen it. There's a ready solution. How many of you know before your problem even arises, before you are aware that you even have a situation, God is a God of providence, pro video. He sees it before it arises, puts a solution in place. How many of you know before Abraham got up to offer Isaac, there was already a ram caught in a thicket that was waiting there for him. God saw it, put a solution in place before it ever Before it ever rained, God told Noah, build an ark. Why? He saw the problem, put a solution in place. Before Elijah ever entered a famine, God commanded ravens to feed him. And guess what? Before there was a garden of Eden, before Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, before sin entered the world, the scripture tells us that Jesus was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. Why? Because God is a God of providence. He sees it before it happens. And the solution of choice was Esther. How many of you know if you're saved, you're a solution? I said, if you're saved, you are a solution. You are a solution to somebody who needs to know Jesus. You are a solution to somebody who needs to be encouraged. You are a solution to somebody who needs hope and knows, and the only way they can find it is if they come through you. You are a solution. God has brought blessing to you so that he can bring blessing through you. See, you're a solution. Providence. When all these anomalies 
starts stacking up, it's a sign. Anomaly number four, God stops it. Haman goes to see the king to kill Mordecai. He's getting more and more furious. The gallows are being built, but Haman wants to expedite this process because Mordecai is still not bowing down before him. So he decides to go pay the king a little visit. And he goes, he decides to go in the middle of the night. Esther, chapter number six, verse number one. It says, that night, the king could not sleep. So one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the Chronicles. And they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers, who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. What an anomaly. The king can't sleep. On the same night that Haman is going to come pay him a visit, and when he can't sleep, they bring him a bedtime story. And the bedtime story they bring him is this book called the Book of Chronicles, which is a record of everything that's ever happened in the kingdom. And the page that they just so happened to open up to tells of how Mordecai saved the king from assassination. So Haman shows up on the exact night that the king finds out that the person that Haman wants to kill saved his life. Haman walks in there and Haman says, hey, king, I want to kill this guy. How do you think that conversation went? God knows how to stop the plans that the enemy puts into motion in your life. When stuff should have gone down, but it didn't. When you should have lost your mind, but you didn't. When you should have lost your marriage, but you didn't. When you should have lost your job, but you didn't. When you should have lost your joy, but you didn't. When you should have lost your peace, but you didn't. When you should have lost your way, but you didn't. When you shouldn't be alive today, but you are. When you should have, but it didn't happen because God stopped it. It is a sign. Hello, McFly. It is a sign. God is saying, I want you to be a blessing. I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing. I remember years ago, I might have told this story. If you've been here long enough, you heard all my stories. Years ago, I was at a party and we decided to go walk into see if somebody else was coming to the party. And this, this this van pulls up alongside of us. And it's me and my girlfriend at the time and like five other girls. So there's no other protection. Right? This van pulls up and these guys jump out the back of it with pitchforks and axes. And this guy holds an axe right up to my neck like this. And I think, the guy's going to chop my head off. Now what I'm going to do, I can't like fight. He's got an axe. There's like six of them. What am I going to do type of thing? I promise you, out of nowhere, one of the guys recognizes me from school. Says, man, 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 uh, don't you know who that is? They used to call me New York. That's New York. That's New York. That's New York. Leave, leave him alone, man. Leave him alone. And the guy wouldn't take the axe down. And so his friend started beating him up so that I could leave. How many of you know that was a sign that God put a big blessing on my life? Should have been dead, but walked out of that thing alive. When God allows you to walk away, it is your day to be a blessing. When anomalies start to stack up. When this good thing starts to happen and this good thing starts to happen and that good thing starts to happen and all of these things that make you say, hmm, stop. And don't just say thank you. But say, God, what do you want me to do? God, what's your instruction for me? God, you've been good to me 
for a reason. You haven't been good to me. You haven't just blessed me for me. You've blessed me so that you can bless others through me. Sign number three. You start getting blessed in unusual ways. Haman shows up expecting to ask the king to kill Mordecai and the Jews earlier than he wanted to. The king has just found out that Mordecai stopped his assassination. Haman comes in and the king says, so glad to see you, old friend. So glad that you're here. And he says, he asks him a question. He says, let me ask you a question. What do you think should be done for somebody who has been extremely loyal to me, has served me, has stood up for me, has stood by me, has fought for me, has been by my side? By the way, always be good to those that are over you. Always be good to those that have the power to bless you because you never know what they may be up to. And so he says, what do you think should be done? And Haman thinks he's talking about him. Haman's like, well, <laughs> King, I, I, I feel so on the spot. of This is kind of embarrassing for me to answer this question. Modern day version, he says, King, you know, you know those Hugo Boss suits that you're always wearing? He said, why don't you buy him a couple of those Hugo Boss suits? He said, I think that would be nice. And, and King, you know that Lamborghini you're always driving around in with the scissor doors? He said, I think you ought to get one of, the, one, one of those for him. And, and by the way, you ought to let him ride in one of those Lamborghinis with the Hugo Boss of his choice, suits of his choice on and, and have the scissor doors open real slow, like with a, with a, like an Italian lean. You know, there's a difference between a lean and an Italian lean. With an Italian lean. And just real slow throughout all the kingdom. And as he passes by in his Lamborghini wearing his Hugo Boss suit, you ought to make everybody just pay homage to him and they, and just be able to declare his his word his word is just like it was the king's word and the king is listening and the king, he's like yeah, yeah, this sounds good he said and you know what he says look at this with me verse number i think it's 18 but the number's so small i can't see it it says then the king said to Haman hurry take the robe and the horse as you have suggested the Hugo Boss suit and the Lamborghini, right? As you have suggested, and do for Mordecai the Jew, who sits within the king's gate, leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. The king commands Mordecai's enemy to bless him. That is unusual. See, God loves us so much that it's not good enough for God to just stop the plan of the enemy, but God will cause the very one who try to put something on you to be the one who is the person who has to carry out the blessing for you. And when God uses what the enemy meant for evil and turns it around into a blessing in your life, it's not just so you can say hallelujah, but it's because God is asking you to be a blessing. See, God will always use the enemy to bless us. David used Goliath's own sword to cut his head off. Satan deceived Eve as a way of bringing sin upon mankind. God used the womb of a woman to bring the Messiah into the world to save us from our sin. Why? Because that was the way the enemy tried to get in. So God said, I'm just going to reverse that and use it to get everybody out. Satan used a man, Adam, to bring sin upon all of the human race. So what does God do? God becomes a man, Jesus, to remove sin from the entire human race. Whatever the enemy tries to put on you, God will use it to bless your life. And when God uses it to bless your life, don't just say thank you. Don't just be like, oh God, you didn't love me so much. Everybody should, should know how much you love me. You love me better than you love them. Look at them. All them. You ain't blessing nobody like, like you're blessing me, God. Don't look at it like that. 
turn around and say, God, you blessed me for a reason. I'm blessed in unusual ways. Because, God, you must want me to be a blessing. Meanwhile, everybody say meanwhile. There's always something going on meanwhile. God is always working meanwhile. Meanwhile, when you can't see him. Meanwhile, when it looks dark. Meanwhile, when it seems like God is absent. God is always working behind the scenes. While you're weeping, God is working. While you're doubting, God is working. While you're hopeless, God is working. Meanwhile, Esther decides to go pay her own visit to the king. Matter of fact, she decides to go before the king uninvited and plead for the lives of the Jewish people, which is a dangerous move. It was dangerous because if you came to the king uninvited, you'd be put to death. And by the way, that is true of the king of the universe. Do you know that if you go into the presence of God uninvited, you'll die? Do you know that? Why did God tell everybody when he came down on the mounts in the Old Testament? He said, don't let anybody stand by the bottom of the mountain. If I touch this mountain and they're standing by the bottom of the mountain and they haven't been invited, they will die. How many of you are glad that you have been invited? If you are a child of God, if you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, you can walk not just any kind of way, but boldly into the throne of grace because you have been invited for Jesus. We don't understand what a privilege that is. Esther goes before the king uninvited. And when she goes before the king uninvited, guess what the king does? He holds out the golden scepter to her. And he says, ask whatever you want, and I'll give you up to half the kingdom. How many of you would be, like, excited if a king said, I'll give you up to half the kingdom? Do you know what the king of kings has told you? He said, everything in the kingdom I'll give to you, it's yours. The whole thing! Not half! The whole into we realize how blessed we are. I think sometimes we get amnesia. I think sometimes we forget. I think sometimes we take it for granted. We serve the God of the universe. All the cattle is his. All the gold is his. Everything is his. He said, I'll give it all to you. We are blessed. She goes in. He says, holds out the golden scepter. Says, I'll give you up to half the kingdom. What is that? That is unusual favor. Favor out of the norm. When favor out of the norm shows up in your life, you are being set up to be a blessing. Listen, I I can't say this enough. Favor is not just for you. Favor is not just so blessing can come to you. Favor is so blessing can flow through you. And the reason why some people seem to experience more favor than other people is because some people are favor hoarders. You ever see the show Hoarders? Some of y'all, if you could see your house in the spirit, it would look like one of them shows on TV. Rats and mice and stuff you haven't used in years. Just, just all stacked up all around you. Why? Because you think it's just, just for us. This is just for me. Oh, God is so good to me. And look at me. All will be jealous of me. And look at me. I'm shining. You're not shining. All Listen, God isn't just giving it to us. He's giving it so it could pass through us. And so Esther has one request. She says, King, um, I was wondering, can, can I fix your dinner? How many of you know the weight of a man's heart is through his stomach? I wish my wife didn't know that so good. My stomach goes up and down too much. Anyway, and she said, can I, can I fix your dinner? 
I'd like, to, I'd like to invite you to come over for dinner, and I want to invite Haman to come too, and I just want to just cook you all a real nice meal. And so they come over for dinner, and when they're there, Hester, reveal, Esther reveals to the king what Haman had planned to do, and the king orders Haman to be hung on the very gallows that he was building to kill Mordecai and the Jewish people. Can you say boomerang? Next time somebody tries to put something on you, just, just walk away and say boomerang. Next time somebody tries to do something to you, just a boomerang. They'll be like, what you talking about? You'll find out. You'll find out. Boomerang. Boomerang. See, you can't, you can't curse people that God has blessed. You can try, but I promise you, if you try to put something on somebody that God has blessed, you better just duck because it's coming back at you. And so the king orders Esther to issue a decree. Because Esther said, but King, King, you issued a decree. And I know you just killed Haman, but you you put a decree out there that all the Jewish people are going to die. What are you going to do about that? Listen to what the king says. The king says, you yourself write a decree concerning the Jews. As you please, in the king's name, and and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. You know what he says? He said, Esther, just go ahead and write whatever you want. However you want them to be treated. What unusual blessings start coming your way. It is a sign from God that you are being set up to be a blessing. You need, I need, we need to answer the bell. God just doesn't want to get blessings to us. God wants to get blessings through us. And when you see all these signs showing up in your life, just start asking God, God, what is it that you want from me? God, how do you want me to be a blessing? I want to close with our opening text. It's perhaps the best known verse in the story of Esther. It says again, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther. He says, do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house, you'll perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And by the way, in the original language, this expression for who knows is not really a question. It's more of a wake up. It's more of a I'm trying to tell you something. For who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night and day. My maids and I will fast likewise and I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. This is the heart of what we're talking about. Esther came to a realization. She had a disadvantaged life, and all of a sudden she found herself in the palace. She could have thought, well, this is my payback for all of the years of heartache that I've gotten. I'm just going to sit back here, not worry about anybody else's life. You know what? So what if all the Jews get killed? I'm the queen. Nobody's going to touch me. And Mordecai, he spoke to her. How many of you are grateful for people who know how to speak truth into your life? Mordecai spoke to her. He said, listen, honey. God's brought you here for a bigger reason than what you think. God's blessed you with all of what you have for a bigger reason than what you think. You're not just blessed 
so you can live in the palace. You aren't picked out of a nationwide beauty contest as an orphan slave girl to be the queen of Persia just because you were beautiful. That's not really why. God put you there. God blessed you so he can be a blessing through you. That's what it's all about, church. We need to come to that realization in our life where we can be a blessing in so many different kinds of ways. But I think we always have to be asking God, God, how do you want me to be a blessing in whatever situation? That's the heart behind what we're doing on November 20th and 21st. But as we kind of wrap this up, so much in the story of Esther, and all I did was kind of scratch the surface. But like every Old Testament story, Esther is the story of us and Jesus. We're the Jewish people who should have died, who had a death sentence already in place against them. Esther is Jesus who laid his life down before the king on our behalf so we wouldn't perish. The king is the father who because of Jesus, his son laid out the golden scepter for us so that we can have the favor of eternal life. Every Old Testament story is a type and a foreshadow of the greatest blessing of all that you and I have, and that is Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We ought to be so thrilled for what Jesus has done for us. Can you say amen? Would you stand to your feet with me? You know we never like to close our service without giving people the opportunity to be made right with God. And God told me about three, four weeks ago now, he said, whenever you give the invitation for people to receive eternal life, he said, tell them why they need eternal life. You don't need eternal life just so you can live a blessed life. How many know people who aren't saved who, quote, unquote, seem to be blessed? Tons of them. They got the world's blessing, not the blessing of God, right? But they have good jobs and they have lots of money and they have big houses and they have nice cars. And that's not why you need Jesus. You can get that anywhere. You can work hard and get that. By the way, sometimes I think the church has to realize that working hard does get you some of those things. You need Jesus because we have a death sentence against our soul without him. Without Jesus, we spend eternity apart from God in a place called hell. Hell is real. My uncle passed away this week. Uncle that I grew up with lived in a duplex. He and my cousin and his dad and mother, my uncle, his dad, lived on this side. We lived on this side. We we're over each other's house all the time. We passed away. Went back to the funeral and saw all of my friends that I grew up with. Of course, they had a big laugh about the fact that, you know, I was a pastor and, you know, I like to listen to you talk, they would tell me. I see it on social media and I just, that's Frankie talking right there. And they gave me a few moments to share a few words and I said, life is short. Everybody dies. Matter of fact, the scripture puts it this way. It says that everyone must die and everyone living should think about this. It's kind of a sobering statement, isn't it? Everyone must die. I don't want to think about that. I'm too young to die. Death is never going to happen to me. Everyone must die and everyone living should think about that. 
In other words, what God is saying is, make your peace right now. Get right with me right now. Eternity waits for no man. There is a heaven created for you and I. There is a hell never intended for us, but a place that everyone who fails to make Jesus their personal Savior ends up in when they leave this earth without his forgiveness and without his righteousness. And so I ask you very simply, are you born again? Are you saved? Do you know where you're going when you leave earth? I ask everybody on the other side of that camera, are you right with God? Are your sins forgiven? If you were to die today, are you sure where you'd spend eternity? For the benefit of anybody who doesn't know, anybody here and anybody there, if you're in this place, if you're out there, and you don't know where you stand with Jesus, but today you want to be made right with him, right where you are, just slip your hand up and I'm going to pray for you. Is there anybody in here that's like that? Anybody? I'm sure there's people out there. There always are. And for the benefit of those, God's talking to you right now, wherever you are. For the benefit of you, we want to pray right now. Let's all pray this prayer together, especially you who's watching on the other side of that camera. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I lay down my life right now. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, there are prayer ministers that are online right now. If you reach out and touch the little hand, they'll respond to you and help you in your journey with the Lord. God bless each and every one of you. Let's be a blessing, amen. Let's realize that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. Love you. See you again next week. God bless you.